Welcome to Gomorrah Markings. Today's shiur is Yevomus Daf Lamid Hey. Don't forget to click on the Daf option in order to view a marked Daf Gomorrah for today's shiur. If you are not fully familiar with our Gemara marking system and wish to benefit from its great rewards, it is essential that you study all of the introductory material accessed by clicking on the Learn the System option provided on the sidebar of our home page. If you are already partially familiar, you will benefit by clicking on the brief 4-minute introduction that is available here. Being that our system is a visual approach to the Daf Gemara, it is recommended that you print out the marked Daf Gemara before the Shior. If you wish to be in touch with us, we can be reached at gmarkings at gmail.com. Please take note that today's Shior begins at the top of Omid Bays. Lamed Hey, Omid Bays. So that if you have in front of you Lamed Hey Omid Aleph, scroll ahead or turn the page over to Lamed Hey Omid Beis, the second side of Lamed Hey. We begin at the beginning of the new parak, the fourth parak of Yevomis. You'll notice that we have a number of markings, and on the side of the Gemara, we have a Nosei Mivne heading. Nosei is a topic. Mivne, a structural note. In this case, we combine the two into one note. We feature a diamond and a double underline. Uh, as you uh, can see in the text itself, the words Hacholetz Liyavimto, Hacholetz is highlighted, and later in the Mishnah, Hakoines Es Yavimto, one who marries the Yavama. Cholets, one who releases the Yavama through the shoe removal ceremony. Kones Es Yavimto, one who marries the Yavama, the brother in law who marries the widow, his sister in law. Uh, our note reads, Yevoma Shenimse Smuberis. You'll notice that that's dot underlined in the Mishnah. A Yevoma is found to be pregnant. Achare, number one, Shecholat's law. A, the surviving brother did Chalitza. That means he released her. And then she was found to be pregnant. Or, the Yavam married her and then we find that she is pregnant the uh, issue is that she's found to be pregnant and the Vlad, the child is associated with the deceased brother so that if she was released through Chalitza. She didn't need Chalitza in the first place if she bears a child from the deceased brother. So she was never a candidate for Yibum in the first place. If the Yavam marries her and she is found to be pregnant and let's say she bears a child, we're talking, of course, in very general terms. Everything we're saying now will be qualified when we get into the Gemara. But if a Yavam marries the Yavoma, his sister-in-law, thinking that she is uh, a widow leaving her husband with no children, but here she turns out to be pregnant and he marries her, so she is not fit to be married. She is strictly forbidden because the din of Yavam applies only when no children are left by the deceased. But here he impregnate, the deceased brother impregnated her and the Yavam in the meantime married her, which is strictly forbidden. So the issue comes up, Madin Krovoiseha Klapov, 
what is the status of her relatives to him. In other words, the Yavama might have a sister. Can the Yavam, who now finds out that he's not really a Yavam, in the sense of being connected to the, the widowed sister-in-law, so he's not connected to her, can he marry her sister? Is she considered a sister of a Chalutza? Or not? Madin Havlad. What is the status of the child? And that will come up when we discuss the issue of Suffolk. He married her, and it's not clear whether the child is a child of the deceased husband, or it's his own child that he had impregnated her. All of these are issues that will come up now in the Mishnah. The, we begin the text. The top of Lamed Hayomid Beis, HaCholetz Liyavimto. Person it, uh, releases his Yavoma, his uh, sister-in-law, through the shoe removal ceremony, the Nimseis Muberis, and then it turns out that she is pregnant, Violda, and she bears a child. The double underlining indicates different possibilities. Bisman Shavlat Shel Kayoma, if the child turns out to be a child that survives, that lives on, who muter bekrovosel, he muteres bekrovov. The chalitza that he did was a zero. She bore a child to the deceased, so she was never a yavoma, and as such, she was the chalitza that she did was of no meaning. Therefore, she goes on her merry way. She was not even bound him in the first place because she bore a child to her first husband. She was never bound to the Yavam. Therefore, the Yavam can marry her sister and she can marry uh, relatives of the Yavam. She can marry the Yavam's son, for example. Velo posla min hakuna. And another point is that since the chalitza was of no consequence, it was of no necessity, therefore she is not labeled a chalitza. A chalitza is a woman who needed chalitza and received it and participated in the shoe removal ceremony. Midrabonon, she's asura to the kuna. But that's where the chalitza was of, of consequence. Here it was an unnecessary act altogether. So she's not rendered unfit to the kuna. She can marry a kohen. If, however, the child does not continue to live, so that the deceased is not said to have left the child, only if a child lives on 30 days, that's considered the deceased having, having uh, left a child. But if he doesn't live on, he's he's not lasting, Rashi says he's a nefel, then the chalitza that she received was a legitimate chalitza. Who also bekrovosel? He cannot marry her relatives. A person cannot marry the sister, for example, of the of the chalitza. The he asura bekrovov, and she likewise cannot marry his relatives. Uposla minakuna, and the chalitza renders her unfit to the to the kuna. 
this was a meaningful chalitza that was through this chalitza that she in fact uh, became muteris to marry out hakoines es yevinto venimtes muberes vialda a brother of the deceased married his survive his widow, the widow of the deceased brother, and it turns out that she's pregnant and she bore a child. If the child is a living child that continues to live more than 30 days, so the brother who married her must release her. The marriage was, a, was unfounded because she was a sister-in-law she shouldn't have married him in the first place and in fact there's a very heavy offense, very heavy penalty as a punishment of course for a man marrying his brother's wife when it's not a mitzvah so he must release her and they have to bring a sacrifice being that it was a an Isur Kores that they violated Bishogeg. They violated it inadvertently, so a sacrifice needs to be brought. Each one brings a sacrifice. If the child does not continue living, so the couple remains together. The uh, mitzvah of Yibum was done. Sofek ben Tisha Lerishain, Sofek ben Shiva Lachron. If, let us say, this brother did not wait the necessary three months in order to establish whether or not the uh, sister in law was pregnant from her first husband. So he doesn't wait. And then, seven months after he takes her. After he marries her, a child is born. Now, that child might be his own son because a pregnancy can lead to a birth after seven months. But, again, he took her, uh, let us just say immediately, he didn't wait the necessary three months. It might be, though, that he married a woman was pregnant already two months pregnant so that seven months after he marries her it might be a nine month pregnancy a child of the deceased brother so in a case like that the Mishnah says the brother the surviving brother that did Yibum that took her in Yotzi he must separate from her because it could be that this is the child of his deceased brother a nine month pregnancy Vavlad Kosher. The child that's born is kosher either way you look at it. He's a legitimate child. If he's the nine month birth, so he's the child of the deceased brother, which, which is a product. This child is the product of a legitimate union. And if it's a seven month child, it's the child of a Yavam that married the Yavama in a legitimate marriage. So as far as the child is concerned, when you focus on him, either way, he's fine, he's kosher. Since there's an element of doubt here, did he uh, uh, marry a 
permis- uh, a permitted woman in a Yibum context, or did he marry his sister-in-law in a forbidden context? That's a doubt. And therefore, the necessary type sacrifice, when there's a suffix involving a chiyuv kores, the osham tolui is the type of korban. It's a uh, sometimes you can tra- it's translate as a suspended guilt offering, as opposed to the korban before mentioned in the Mishnah. There was a definite violation. That's a korban chatas is brought, a sin offering. Here, a guilt offering that's called an osham tolui is brought. Before we continue in the Gemara, we glance at the side under the Nosei, the topic heading. We also note that this is a very long topic. It lasts till Lamed Vav Omed Aleph, at the end of Lamed Vav Omed Aleph. Hacholetz, on our note we've written, Hacholetz Lemuberes, one who does Chalitza to a pregnant sister-in-law, Vihipila, and the child does not live, and with the uh, death of the child, where it dies uh, um, as a as a miscarriage, so it turns out that she was zakuka. She was really bound to him. So he did chalitza with a pregnant sister-in-law, but the child does not make it. The child is a miscarriage. Ha'im chalitza zu ho'il oi loi. Is this an effective chalitza or not? Machloikis Rabbi Yochanan Vreshlokish im chalitza's muberes shmo chalitza. We'll see a controversy between these two great amoroyim, Rabbi Yochanan and Vreshlokish. Is that type of chalitza effective? Vim bias muberes shmo bia. Likewise, you can have a situation where the Yavam had intimacy with the pregnant sister-in-law and the, and the child doesn't make it. So is that considered a legitimate Yibum? Because if, being that the child doesn't make it, the woman is essentially a Yavama. However, when the intimacy was done, it was not clear that she was a real Yavama for mitzvah Yibum being that the child might have made it, and it would have been a child from, of the first husband. So now we turn to the Gemara. Itmar ha-choyleitz l'muberes v'ipila. person uh, participated in chalitza with the pregnant sister-in-law, and the child turned out to be a miscarriage. So that, it, and factually, the dead brother left no children. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, minachin. She doesn't need any additional chalitza. The chalitza that he did is effective. Rabbi Yochan, she needs a chalitza from the surviving brothers. Because the chalitza that she received uh, was ineffective. Rabbi Yochanan, the Gemara elaborates, goes over the two shittas. You see, we've squiggled underlined the name, so you can see how where the Gemara emphasizes each shita. Rabbi Yochanan says, as he said, she does not need an additional chalitza. Chalitzas muberes shmo chalitza, ubias muberes shmo bia. The chalitza done with a pregnant 
uh, woman, pregnant sister-in-law, or the um, intimacy that was done in order to marry her, though she was pregnant, is considered effective. Of course, retroactively, when the child is, is, uh, turns out to be a miscarriage, so we, she, we see that she was really a candidate for the mitzvahs of Yibom, either chalitza or intimacy, bia. Reish Lokish says to the contrary that she needs a chalitza. Chalitzas muberes lo shmo chalitza. The chalitza done with a pregnant woman is not effective. Ubias muberes lo shmo bia. And likewise, the intimacy, the bia that the brother, surviving brother, did with her, with the sister-in-law, while she was pregnant, is not. Effective. It's not effective in creating their marriage. That is as far as a Gemara translation is concerned. Now the Gemara gets into an analysis. What is the underlying point of controversy? What's the logic behind the controversy? Well, if you like, I can give you a Pasuk concerning which they argue, or I can give you a Svara, logic, that is the basis of their machlikis. E boyaseimo svara, the order of the Gemara here is um, is opposite the order of what was just suggested. And the Bach, in fact, turns around the order of presentation, but we'll just keep it as it is in our text. So that's why we have a little base encircled over this, E boyaseimo svara, corresponding to the base just the on the line before. So if you like, I can give you a Svora. Rabbi Yochanan Sovar. Rabbi Yochanan who viewed the actions done with the Muberes as being successful and legitimate, he explains, if at the time he did the Chalitza or the Bia, if the prophet Elio, Elijah the prophet, would come and tell you, that the pregnancy that she has right now, when the chalitza or yibum was or or bia was done, will be a miscarriage. Mi lav bas chalitza he? Would she not be a candidate for either chalitza or yibum? Hashdonami now as well, where Elio didn't come, but tigli milsulamafreya. Let the facts be clarified retroactively. Right now, there was a miscarriage that sheds light on the uh, the uh, we'll call the non-child uh, status from the very outset. Hence, what he did at the at the time, though she was uh, pregnant, is of significance. And Reish does not accept that type of logic that we don't. We don't allow things to become clarified retroactively. We look at things as they are when you did the action. And when you did the action, she was pregnant, and that child could very well have continued living and have represented the child of the deceased. And then, and, and, and as such, there is no, there would be no necessity of yibum. So the actions done, either chalit yibum, of are not effective. Vibhoyaseimo kro. And another approach to analyzing the Machlokis Rabbi Yochan Shlokish is based on their controversy surrounding a Posuk. 
Rabbi Yochanan Savar, Uben Ein Lo, Omar Rachmona, the Torah in describing the circumstances under which Yibum is done, it says that the deceased had, had left no children. Vahal, Leslie, facts are, she miscarried, so he has no children. He, the deceased left no children because this pre- the pregnancy that she had from the first husband ended up as a miscarriage. So that the, the Torah would sanction the Bio or Chalitza done. For Rish Lokish Savar, Rish Lokish approaches his Posuk and says, Uben Ein Lo means Ayein Alav. You look into, analyze the situation. There is a uh, Toysvis uh, just across from here, a little bit down. Rishlokish Savar Ben Ein Lo. Since at that time, she was pregnant and she was it was it was fit uh, to continue living and be the real be a, a living child of the deceased. That is enough to prevent. Look at the situation, analyze the situation, if, and through your analysis, you would have concluded that he was fit to continue living. So Yibum or Chalitza should not have been done. Let us turn uh, back to the Gemara. Here we have some structural notes to take care of. You notice triangles, and if you scan ahead, you'll notice at times the triangles appear in uh, uh, opposite directions. And if you look down the space between the Gemara and the Toysvis text, the right-hand side of the Gemara text, you'll notice that we have some numbering and lettering, one Aleph and then Bays, the inverted triangle around the Bays, two Aleph and Bays, also with the same uh, phenomenon of inverted triangle, and an inverted number three, inverted triangle around three. What are we to make of these markings? On the side, you have the Mivneh, the structural note, where the triangle appears uh, point facing up, that's those are kushas areshlokish. Those are uh, questions on reishlokish. The inverted triangle are kushos al Rabbi Yochanan. So number three, for example, is a question that we're going to be raising against Rabbi Yochanan. And we also note sim leiv means pay attention. Sheba number one and at number two, yesh neilishoynos iko di amri. In, in uh, versions number one and two. The uh, Gemara presents an, an, a second version of the respective questions. You'll see it's very it's similar material, just presented in an opposite fashion. And where the second lashon begins, so the base uh, in the space indicates that on that line you'll notice a squiggle underlined Iko Diamri. In the first case, it's actually abbreviated, indicating the second version. So now that hopefully we've mapped out the Gemara. We continue. Eisvei Rabbi Yochanan the Reish Lakish. Don't lose sight of each one shita. Rabbi Yochanan was the uh, the more let's say liberal or accepting shita opinion that uh, allowed for the chalitza or bia of the muberes. So he asks on Reish Lakish. Eisvei Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish. And note we have a an arrow to the left hand side of the Gemara text. You can see where this quote comes from. It comes from the Mishnah. And it said there, and here it's quoted, Ein Havlad Shel Kayoma, 
if the child uh, turns out to be a nafel, a miscarriage, who asur bekrovo he asura bekrovov, uposla min hakuhuna. So in that case, if the uh, vlad turns out the the uh, pregnancy turns out to be a miscarriage. So the chalitza that was done, and note that, that at that section of the mission we were dealing with, he did chalitza with her. So the chalitza was meaningful. It was binding. It was effective. The Mishnah then said that he cannot marry her relatives and she cannot marry his relatives and she is unfit for the, to the kuhuna. Things work out well according to me, says Rabbi Yochanan, the Amino Chalitza Smuberes Shmo Chalitza. That I claim the original Chalitza done with a pregnant sister in law is legitimate. Mishum Achi Posla. Because of that, she becomes unfit. We said, unfit to the kahuna. But according to you, that's reish lakish. That you say, that the chalitza done with a pregnant woman is not effective. Why is she rendered unfit to the priesthood? Why can't the Kohen marry her? Nothing was done as far as you're concerned. Reish lakish says that you're right in principle, but my, uh, my my interpretation of the Mishnah is that it represents a stringency, a rabbinic stringency. That let me say that again. According to Reish Lakish, uh, when I said you're right in principle, in other words, what you Rabbi Yochanan said concerning my shita that she should really be muteris to the kuna. Yes, what you're saying about me is right. I say that in principle, she should be muteris to the kuna. However, the Rabbonin imposed a stringency, and as a result, the Mishnah uh, reflects the stringency and renders her unfit to the kuna, even though it was technically speaking not a legitimate chalitza. Let's glance at the Rashi, at the upper part of the narrow lines. If we allow her, who this woman, who did go through the Chalitza ceremony, and if we allow her to marry a Kohen, uh, people will think that in general, Chalitzas are mutoros to Kahuna, that women who participate in the Chalitza are allowed to marry Kohanim. The public doesn't know. They don't know the details. They know about the shoe removal ceremony, but they don't know about the fact that it was an ineffective shoe removal because she had been pregnant. Her pregnancy was not would not be well known. Therefore, we take this preemptive measure. Don't allow her the halutza to marry a kohen, even though this halutza really is not a halutza. Iko the Amri. This, uh, now the opposite version, an alternative version, in this version takes the offensive. Reish again, he's the one that says that the Chalitza, the Bias Muberes, is not effective. So Reish asks on Rabbi Yochanan, our mission against the same quote from the Mishnah, that if the Chalitza was done with a woman and it turns out that she miscarries the, the pregnancy that she had from her first husband, who asur bekrovo yisav? He asur bekrovov. Uposlo min hakuna. The Mishnah ruled that she is 
uh, she's viewed as uh, having had chalitza. Things work out well according to me, says Reish Lakish, that said that I say a chalitza done with Mberes is not considered chalitza. Hainu de Kotoni, the language of the Mishnah is better understood, which said, posla min hakuna. That language, she's rendered unfit to marry a Kohen, lechumra. That's an expression indicating a mere stringency, not letter of the law. It doesn't say, in the Mishnah, it doesn't say, It doesn't say she doesn't need Chalitza, because she really does need Chalitza from the surviving brothers. But according to you, that it's considered a full-fledged Chalitza, the language should have been It should have said that. And by saying by, by the Mishnah having said that she doesn't need Chalitza uh, I would have known that she's also to the relatives and to the Kahuna. Omar Lay, Rabbi Yochanan says in Hochi Nami You know something? You're right about what you're saying concerning me. That the Mishnah should have said, Since in the Reisha, the, the expression appeared of low pasla, namely in the case of the Vlad was Kayoma, where the child lived and uh, lived uh, uh, Hey, hence the deceased really did leave a child and the chalitza that was done was of no necessity and there the language of the Mishnah is she's not rendered unfit and the language had to be like that she's not unfit to the kuna she's totally muteris she's kshera she's allowed to the kuna and so the ratio that used the expression lo pasla tana seifa pasla so the Mishnah in the seifa in the case of Ein Havlad Shel Kayama uses the Loshon Pasla. Even though, as we said, it could have maybe more accurately said but once again, just to repeat, since the racial used the expression lo posla, Mishnayos often like to maintain a similar language structure, so the Seifa used the expression posla. Eisvei Rabbi Yochanan Lereish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan, who once again said that Chalitza or the Bias Muberes is is binding, is significant, it takes hold. So he asks on Reish Lakish, Ein Havlad Shel Kayoma Yikayim. This is in the case, and you might want to note that we have a reference to where this quote comes from above, in the case of. Uh, the Kone says Yevimto. Notice we have a little, uh, it's a little star in the uh, space to the immediate right hand side of the Gemara. So you see, uh, in the case where he he took her in, and the child did not continue living, the Mishnah says Yikayim. They continue because. I held, says Rabbi Yochanan, that the bia, the, uh, the uh, intimacy, uh, the consummation of the marriage through intimacy, uh, when it turns out that the child is a miscarriage, so 
the, the deceased left no children. So the yibum, the intimacy done in take, the brother-in-law taking her in, taking in as a, the widowed sister-in-law, was a legitimate marriage. So he continues living with her. Bishlam al-Didi, the Amino, Rabbi Yochanan says that things work out well according to me, that said, Notice we dashed underline, that because here we're dealing with that issue, the issue of his having taken her in, having had uh, intimacy with her, and it's considered a legitimate biyah. Therefore, the language of the Mishnah is yikayim. Now, let's just glance at Rashi, where the star appears. Hainu de Kotoni Yekayem. Rashi says, Delo matzrich bio li achar shepila. There's no requirement of an additional um, intimacy. In other words, the word Yekayem simply means maintain. He can maintain her as a full-fledged wife. No additional bio is necessary to to consummate the marriage. Vimbo Lagarsha beget Megarsha. If he should decide at this point to divorce her, it's enough for him to divorce her with a divorce document, which is characteristic of a regular wife. Uh, the any any need for halitza uh, or the like to release her is unnecessary because the original biot was a full fledged uh, intimacy of consummation. Now Rashi adds the thinking right now as as far as the interpretation of the word yikayim of the Mishnah that word yikayim love. It doesn't indicate an obligation for him to consummate the marriage. Rather, it's a heter, meaning he's allowed to continue maintaining her. In other words, Yikayim doesn't indicate some type of proactive action on his part, but rather, if he wants to continue living with her, he can maintain their relationship. So that, that's the thinking right now, that the word Yekayi means that it, there's, there's nothing obligatory here. Rather, it's a heter. Mishum detono reisha, since in the reisha where it said, imavad shel kayoma, it said yotzi. There the language was, he must get rid of her. That's obligatory. If the child continues living, because that's the child of the deceased, so, in the Seifa, the, we'll say the opposite term is used, but it indicates a heter, it doesn't indicate an obligation. And that's the, that's the word uh, Yekayim. Let's continue then in the Gemara. Rabbi Yochanan continues with his uh, question on Reish Lakish. He says, amris, but according to you, Reish Lakish, that said, the intimacy with a pregnant sister-in-law uh, is of no consequence, it's ineffective. And then the child turns out to be a miscarriage. 
the language should have been you should go back and repeat the intimacy in order to to consummate the marriage but it doesn't say Rishlokish responds my yikayim what does the word yikayim really mean it means yachsor v'yivol v'yikayim. The losagi belav hochi. Rashi says the losagi belav hochi. The lo miftera below bia liachar shepila. She's not released by. Uh, she's still bound, uh, and and, and the, like the mitzvah hasn't been done without, in fact, a second bia after the miscarriage. The lo yachsor v'yivol. If he doesn't do a second act of intimacy after the miscarriage, lo motzi the miftarah beget, he can't release her. He can't send her away with a divorce document. He a person can't use a get to to free her to send her away. Elohim came constantly unless he had married her. Ubiyas mubers love shmo beyond the bia the intimacy with a pregnant. Uh, sister-in-law is of no consequence. lo Rashi explains, and with the chalitza, uh, at uh, also he can't release a hoyol This is a very interesting point. Uh, Reish Lakish is acknowledging that the bia that he did, we'll call it the ineffectual bia, is not totally ineffectual. It did something. It did something so that the chalitza done with her now would not be sufficient because he did take her in so that the taking in the bia, the intimacy that he had had some effect so that in fact the uh, the uh, Mishnah when it says Yikayim is basically instructing him you have to have intimacy with her again and that's what is meant by the word Yikayim. And this explanation is in contrast to the way we explained Rabbi Yochanan and the word Yikayim. With regard to Rabbi Yochanan, he took it to mean that he has a heter to continue living with her. According to Reish Lokish, Yikayim means he must do something proactively. He must have intimacy with her uh, again after the miscarriage. Otherwise, there's no way of him releasing her, freeing her. As we said, a get isn't going to work because she isn't his full-fledged wife. Chalitza is not going to work because after all, he did do something. He did bia, which, which uh, creates a level of bonding where Chalitza is no longer going to be effective as the sole means of release. So Reish in this version, 2 Aleph, he answered the question that was raised, that was posed against him. We continue, Iko di Amri, Eisvei Reish Lokish to Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lokish attacks Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lokish holding that Chalitzan Bias Muberes is ineffective. The Mishnah said, Ein Havlad Shel Kayoma Yekayim. That if the child turns out to be a miscarriage, so... It said, Yikayim, Bishlam of the D. Rishlokish says, things work out well according to me, Damino, that said, I said, Chalitza's Muberis, Lo Shmo Chalitza, Bias Muberis, Lo Shmo Bia. 
Since the official, the original bia that he did with the widow was not effective, the Mishnah is telling him Yekayim equals Yachsur Vivil Yekayim. He has to have intimacy with her again. There is, there is no, it, it, there is no. It's not enough any other way without a second bia, as we saw before in the Rashi. But according to you, that the intimacy was full fledged. The language of the Mishnah should have been if he wants, he can get rid of her, he can send her away with a get. That's Rotsa Yoitsi. If he wants, he could have used a get because he acquired her in a full fledged marriage. Or if he wants, if he wants, he can stay with her. Again, expressing something optional. But the Mishnah didn't speak like that. So Rabbi Yochanan responds, In Hochinami. In truth, the Mishnah could have uh, presented the situation like that. Since the Biyah was a full-fledged Biyah, if uh, it's a full-fledged wife then to him, he can exercise either one of these paths. But since the ratio, when it, the child turned out to be living, and he had to get rid of her, he had to send her away, in contrast, again, it's a linguistic consideration, the Mishnah was terse, simply to reflect a, a to present a reflective type of, Expression. The ratio saying Yotzi, so in the, the contra expression, Yikayem. Meisvei. Here the Gemara itself raises a, an objection to Rabbi Yochanan's approach. Rabbi Yochanan suggested, I know we're repeating this again, but it's sometimes confusing for some, the, all these different shitas. So Rabbi Yochanan represented the opinion that Chalitza and Bia of Amuberes is effective. So now we have this Tanaic source. A man married the sister-in-law and it turns out that she's pregnant. The uh, deceased brother left in addition to the Yavoma, there was a co-wife, another wife. The co-wife, in the case that the uh, one who participated in Yibum turned out to be pregnant, so the Mishnah says that the co-wife should not marry. And let's just skip the bracketed section momentarily. Shema loy yehei havlad ben kayoma. The child might end up being a miscarriage. And if it's a miscarriage, so then the, the the widow and the tzara are are bound. If it's a miscarriage, so the deceased brother left no children, so his wives are bound to the yavam. The isalka daitoch bias muberes shmo bia. If, as you Rabbi Yochanan held, that the bia that he did is effective. And in this situation, it turned it, 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 uh, with, with the Vlad turning out to be 
non ben kayoma. So amai lotino se tsorosa. Why can't the tsora marry? She should have been considered released, freed through the intimacy of her co-wife, or the co-wife with the, the woman with whom Bio was done. After all, everyone knows, having learned so much of Yavomis, that uh, only one of the, of the widows does the Bio, and the other one is automatically released. That's the question. Before we can go into the answers, we go back to the bracketed section within which is language that's not accurate, so that's why we skipped it. Now, we go back over it. The source in the frame had spoken about a person married the Yavama, and it turned out she was pregnant. So we say that the Tzorah should not marry out. And now the brackets. Shemo Yehei Vlad Ben Kayoma. Why should the co-wife not marry out? Because the child might turn out to be a living child of the deceased. Well, Adarabba, to the contrary, Kihave Avlad Ben Kayoma, if the child turns out to be a surviving living child, then the deceased left children, Mifterot Sarasa, the, the Tsara, the co-wife is certainly uh, free and unbound. Mifterot Mifter, she's unbound, totally unbound. There was no mitzvah of Yibam to begin with. Elo rather, as we saw, the text should have read, Shemo lo havlad ben kayoma. The child might turn out to be non-surviving, and if the child doesn't survive, then the, the tzara and the woman with whom the Yibam was done is still bound to the Yibam. So if they're still bound... We understand the Mishnah, but if you say that the Bias Muberis is a, an effective Bia, so then when the child dies, retroactively we see that he married one of the two wives. Why does the Mishnah restrict the marriage of the Tzorah to someone else? As we go on in the Gemara, we see house markings and on the side under the Mivneh we see we've explained Shuvosov Shel Abaye Verova Avur Rabbi Yochanan Abaye and later on the top of Lamed Vov Amit Aleph Rava on the third line from the top uh, ex- uh, offered their explanations Omar Abaye Bebiya Kule Alma Loi Pligi Deloi Potra Everyone, including Rabbi Yochanan, acknowledges that the bia of a, with the muberes is ineffective. It doesn't the low potra. It's ineffective in freeing up. He pligi bechalitza. The machloikis between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish is limited to the case of doing chalitza with a muberes with a pregnant woman. Rabbi Yochanan Sovar, Chalitzas Muberes Shmo Chalitza, Bias Muberes Lo Shmo Bia. Take note of the of the lettering here. We also have a dash underlining. Rabbi Yochanan says that the the shoe removal ceremony done with the Muberes is effective. The intimacy with her is not effective. 
Reshokish Sovar. Now the base over here corresponds to the base of Rabbi Yochanan, and there's no argument here. Bias Muberes Lo We just said, Abaye said that with regard to be everyone agrees that's ineffective. And with that, by the way, the Mishnah of Hakrinah says Yivimto stands. It's true that he had intimacy with her, but it's ineffective. And if it, the Vlad turns out to be uh, uh, to be uh, a, a nafel, a non-surviving Vlad, so the uh, you go back to square one, and therefore the co-wife is is not to have married out. So the machlokis that we see here is only between, that is, between Rabbi Yochan and Reish Lokish concerns chalitzas muberes. And the, the Mishnah that was quoted in the inverted triangle number three was not dealing with a case of chalitza whatsoever. Omar le Rava. Rava says to Abaye, uh, Abaye's explanation of Rabbi Yochanan. He's, we're focusing now on Abaye's explanation. What was what was Abaye's explanation of Rabbi Yochanan? By the way, that there's a split between Chalitza as being Shmo Chalitza versus the Bias Muberes being Lo Shmo Bia. So Rava asks on Abaye's explanation of Rabbi Yochanan Monavshach. Either way, you look at things. E Bias Muberes Shmo Bia. If the intimacy with her is Effective, then chalitzas muberes shmo chalitza. Then the same should be said with regard to chalitza. The bias muberes lo shmo bia, and is f and it. If it is as you are saying that Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish both hold that bias muberes is not effective, then chalitzas muberes nami lo shmo chalitza. Then the same should have been said with regard to Rabbi Yochanan's stance on chalitza, that the chalitza with the pregnant woman is not effective. The Hakaimalon, we have a rule. The Chala Oila Liyibum Oila Lechalitza. The Chal Shein Oila Liyibum Einoi Oila Lechalitza. We are, of course, at the top of Lamed Vavam and Aleph. That any one who is a candidate for Yibum, that that means that the Yibum is considered effective. So the Chalitza with her would be effective, and anyone who is not uh, for whom. Uh, the yibum, the biot, would be ineffective. So the chalitza would be ineffective. The uh, this uh, this halacha uh, is uh, based on the posuk which Rashi quotes uh, on the top line. and. Then hochafetz miabeim, as you can see, the Bach adds a few words here. That the pasuk says that if he doesn't want to take her, then he does yivin, then then he does chalitza. But if he does want to take her, so he does yibum. So there's a there's a balance between these two options. So if someone is, if you're going to say that someone is not effective, the bia is not effective, the chalitza will be ineffective as well. So that's. Rava's question on Abai. Elo Omar Rava. Hochi Omar. What Rava does now is he takes the source that was raised in the inverted number three as a question on Rav Yochanan and he says the source should be read thusly. Hakines Yevimto. And again, Rava is coming to defend Shitas Rabbi Yochanan. And Shitas Rabbi Yochanan was that the actions done with the Muberas are effective. 
So he, he, Rava says that the source is to be read thusly. Hakines yevimtoi v'nimseis meuberes. Harei zu lo tinose tsorasa. If he marries the Yavama and she turns out to be pregnant, so the co-wife should not marry out. Uh, she's not is not free to marry out. Shemo yehe vlad ben kayoma. The child might turn out to be a living child. Ubias muberes lo shmo bia. In the case of a vlad shel kayoma, where the child is a living child, that means he's a, is, is a child of the of the deceased. So the bia done with her. Is of is of no uh, is, is not binding. She uh, he shouldn't have married her. The chalitzas muberes lo shmo chalitza, and the the chalitza done with muberes uh, is of no value. Again, we're talking about a case where the uh, vlad is a ben kayoma, where he's a uh, a child of the deceased, so that the chalitza would be of no uh, of no significance. Chalitza would not have been necessary. Now, as far as the Tzorah is concerned, the Havlad eno poter ad shiyetze lavir ha'olam. The Vlad, the, the birth of the child, uh, doesn't uh, poter, it doesn't release until it is actually born. So, with that, we understand why the source had said, Harezu lo tinose tsorosa. Tanyo kavose durova. The Gemara finds a brisa that supports. Rava's re-reading of the Tanaic source. Hakines yevimtoi v'nimtseis muberes. Harezu lo tsorasa. Man marries the sister-in-law. Turns out she's pregnant. The co-wife should not marry out. Shemo yehe vlad ben kayomo. V'ein bia v'chalitza poteres. Ela vlad poter. It's the uh, only. It's the child. It's his birth that is the exemption or the release of the tzorah. V'havlad ein potra ad sheyetze l'avir olam. And the child does not release her. And of course we're talking about the child being a uh, child of the deceased. Hence no need for yibam or chalitza. But the child as a means of releasing her, freeing her to marry out, doesn't work until the child is born. Notice, number four, and the triangle indicates that here we have a question on Reish Lokish. Taimo d'shemo yehevlad ben kayomo who the reason that was given for what we said above is because the child might turn out to be a living child. Ha loy yehei, ha loy havi vlad ben kayoma. If, however, the child does not live, and retroactively then we see that this was a real yibum situation, 
Miftar Tsorasa. Here we're simply learning the source with the inference to be drawn from it. The reason given for the Tsara not to marry out is because it, the Vlad uh, might be a Ben Kayoma. And the Vlad is ineffective in releasing her until it's born. But in the event that it's not a Ben Kayoma, so then she would be able to marry out. Well, does that not show us that Lemafreya, that retroactively, the Bia that was done was effective? So you have a, you have a Bias Muberes uh, being effective, and that Sora is able to marry out. And, she, and, and we should add over here, and there's no need for uh, an additional Bia after the miscarriage. Uh, this is a point that you can see in the Rashi. And the third narrow line from the top, Rashi says, If it turns out to be a miscarriage, The co-wife is released. There's no requirement of a second intimacy after the um, in miscarriage, so the Gemara continues. Should we say that this is a refutation of Reish Lakish? Omar Loch Reish Lakish, Hochi Kotoni. Reish Lakish would tell you that the source is to be read as follows: Hakainis Yevinto Venimtseis Muberes Harezu Loti Tsorasa. One who marries the Yevoma and she turns out to be pregnant, so the co-wife should not marry out. Shema. Loi Yehei Havlad Ben Kayama. Notice we swiggle underline Lo. This is a different version. Maybe the, the, the Vlad will not turn out to be living. The Chalitza's Muberis Lo Shmo Chalitza. And the Chalitza that might have been done is not effective. And Ubias Muberis Lo Shmo Bia. And the intimacy that he had with that one uh, wife, one widow, is not effective. So being that it's not effective, the co-wife should not marry out. Especially if the, we're saying here the Vlad turns out to be a non-Ben Kayoma, so we have, we're still in the Yibum mode. The Tzara should not marry out, she's still bound. And if you were to, were to argue that you should follow the majority of women, Vlad and the majority of women bear living children, and on that basis the Tzora should be allowed to marry out. Well, even if you argue like that, Vlad ain't poter A child does not exempt her or release her until it's actually born. And in all of this sugya, we didn't emphasize this earlier, but we should have emphasized this, in all of this sugya, we're dealing with a case where she is still pregnant. So Reish Lakish, with this, certainly, with his rereading, shows us, black on white, that uh, the... Uh, Chalitzas Muberes is, is not Shmo Chalitza, and Biasberes is not Shmo Chabia, just like Rish Lakish claimed. Omer Rebbe Lazar, Efsher Isa Laha de Rish Lakish, Velo Tnan Lo Bemas Nisen. Could it be that there is a Shita 
that like that of Reish Lakish, and it does not appear in Mishnayis, Nofak Dof Viashkach. He went out and he analyzed, he researched, and he found Tisnan. Now, we have a marking scheme that starts at this point, and on the side under the Mivneh heading, we call this a Ma'akav, an attempt to keep track of the alternating directions taken in the Gemara. So, with the house marking facing upwards, Siwa the Reish Lakish, a support to Reish Lakish, the Chalitza's Muberes Psula, that the Chalitza done with a pregnant uh, sister-in-law is ineffective. The inverted house would indicate that there is no support. When we uh, read this Tanaic source that's coming up now, we'll then notice some double underlining. Those are Shlavim Limtso Habasis Lashitas Reishlokish Me'amokar attempts to find a basis for Reishlokish from the source. So what does Rebbe Lozer find? He says, he finds a Mishnah. It says, Ho'isha Shaholach Bailah Vitzarosa Lemedinas Hayam A man who did not have children a man who did he happened to be married to two wives so he and one of the wives went abroad Ubau fi omru fi and uh, people came and told the wife that remained home your husband died So we have now a woman who was informed of her being a widow. And as far as she knew, her husband did not have children. So she's uh, kind of bound to the surviving brother, to her brother-in-law. She should not marry out. Nor should she marry the surviving brother. Ad sheteda. Shema Muberes Hi Tsarasa. Until she discovers what was the story with the co wife that went abroad also. Until she finds out maybe she was pregnant. Bishlama Yabumi Lo, we understand well why Yibum is not an option. Why she, the woman that stayed home, should not marry the brother. Shema Yehei Vlad Ben Kayoma, the uh, co-wife that went abroad might have a uh, might have born a child that lives, and in such a case, of course, there is no hibum. Vyifka and the brother by having uh, by by doing hibum with the sister-in-law that remained home would be in violation of Eishesach. That's an Isur Doraisa. So we don't want we don't want Yibum to be done. Ella? Loi Tachloitz Amai. The source said that the brother, the survive the brother, the surviving brother should not do chalitza with the woman that stayed home. Why is that not an option? Bishlama Tachloitz besoch tes, the tinose besoch tes loy. I understand uh, a position that would say that chalitza uh, within nine months, nine months is the time of a pregnancy and subsequent birth, that chalitza within nine months 
and uh, and uh, marriage uh, within nine months that she should not do. Hainu Suffolk. This is this is exactly our doubt. Uh, on the on the side we have a note Shemote Vlad Ben Kayoma Basof Tesha, the child that the uh, co-wife who went abroad might bear is a living child. The uh, Oza Vlad Huhapoter. In such a case, the Vlad, the child is the poter. The child is the releasing mechanism, not the chalitza, the loa chalitza. A child is not uh, doesn't re, doesn't free a woman until it is born. So we understand why chalitza, why the brother that uh, the surviving brother should not do chalitza, and based on that, she should marry out all within nine months, because as we said. If the child is a, is a Vlad Shilkayomo, it's the child that is the release of the Tzorah. And that's what, our, that's what is part of our doubt. Maybe she was pregnant and has a, has a living child. Ella, but rather Tachloitz B'Soich Tisha, the Tinosei Li'achar Tisha. Why not this? Why can't Chalitza be done within the nine months? And let her marry out after nine months. Now from the fact that this is not suggested, this is our support to Reish Lokish, that Chalitza's Mu'beres is not considered Chalitza. So all of this was the long point that we saw where we have a Mishnah, and the explanation of the Mishnah, as we presented it, is the support to Reish Lakish. The Gemara rejects, takes a few lines as well, Uletameich, that you are trying to argue from that which the source does not say. We should take a look, by the way, at Rashi, a few lines under the Gemara text, fourth line under the Gemara text, Uletameich, if the reason for the non chalitza is because of mishum sofek muberes sarosu bishas chalitza he, because she might the pitzora that went abroad might have been pregnant at the time the chalitza is done, so tachlots liachar tisha let chalitza be done after the nine months, and then there would be no problem of a chalitzas muberes. Uh, nine months went by since you heard that the brother died, so she she couldn't be pregnant from that brother. The hashda v'anai lav muberesi v'tinose umai taim okatoni ad sheteda. Why does the source say that? Even if it's a matter of many years that would have to go by. So now we go back to the Gemara text. Rabbi Yochanan uh, would respond that if you're going to try to bring a, uh, a, a support to Reish Lokish from the source that it didn't say let Chalitza be done within nine and marrying and then the and the, and the widow that stayed home would marry out after nine why not have her, the Chalitza 
done and her marrying out after nine months. Why does it say in the source, Ad Sheteida Shemomuberis, which is mashma that she has to wait even years? Elo bar mino dehahi. So, Rabbi Yochanan would go on to say that for besides that source, in other words, forget about that source so as, as a problem. If Chalitza would have been done, and it turns out that the child, that the, that the mace, that the deceased had a child, and it's the child that really was the reason for her exemption, the Abaye Barovu the in that particular case where they went abroad and the and and the co-wife actually did produce a child for the deceased brother and the child continued living then the chalitza that would have been done by the brother and the sister-in-law that remained home would have been an unnecessary chalitza. And that would necessitate an announcement to the world of Kohanim that she is not a chalitza because a child was born. So we don't want to have a chalitza done that will turn out to be unnecessary, and in order to make it clear that she is not a chalutza, we have to announce that to the public. We don't want to do that. So the more asks, so why not? Why not do that? In other words, what have you got to lose, so to speak? Let them... Uh, let, let Chalitza be done after nine months and let her marry out and if it turns out that a child was born and that the Chalitza was not necessary we'll make an announcement to the Kuna that she's Kishere to the Kuna the Gemara answers Dilma Iko Inish Dehave Bechalitza Velohave Bechroza there might be people that, that were present at the time of the Chalitza and they don't hear the announcement and if she ends up marrying a Kohen, because, well, we know that, uh, that the Chalitza was really not necessary, but people don't know that, because they didn't hear the announcement, the Yossi Lemeimar, people will think, the Yossi Lemeimar, Kashori Chalitza Lekayin, that a Chalitza is muteres to a Kohen. They're not having heard the announcement that her exemption was based on the fact that a child, uh, Ben Kayoma, was born. Omar Le Abaye. No, take note, of course, of the direction. This is a, um, a point to show that we're not going to support Reish Lokish. Abaye says, Midi lo tachloitz veloi tisyabem kotoni. In, in order to have brought a support to Reish before, the source would have had to say Loi Tachloitz. It doesn't say Lo Tachloitz in the source. Notice uh, there's a little star to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text. If you skim up above, you see the line we're now going to make reference to. Lotinosei velotisyabeim kotoni. 
all the source had said was that the uh, the source, of, I should say, at the point at which we were trying to bring a support to Reish Lakish, that source did not say lo tachlots. This is the that would have been the support to Reish Lakish. Namely, don't do chalitza because chalitza's muberes is a problem. But it doesn't say lo tachlots. It says that she should not marry, nor she should the should the widow that remains behind, nor should she do yibum. And what does that mean? Buloi chalitza. She shouldn't make a move without chalitza. Rashi, by the way, under the Toysra's commentary, the fourth widest line, he says, Lo tinosei katoni, the lo tinosei lashuk, the lo chalitza lismei fuloimar tsarasi yodu labali. All the source is saying that she should not marry out uh, without any chalitza on the, on the uh, supposition that my co-wife bore a child to the to my husband. Even though the majority of women do bear children. But if Chalitza would have been done within nine months and she would wait till after nine months to be asmuberis the Chalitza saw Shma Biova Chalitza. Just like Rabbi Yochanan says. That's the Gemara. So now we go back to the Gemara. Uh, that's what the Gemara is now telling us. Had Chalitza done, been done, and as Rashi said, even within the nine months, she in fact would have been muteris with that Chalitza. And that's unlike Reish Lakish. Tanyo Kavose de Reish Lakish. Now we have a Brisa that supports Reish Lakish. And that's why we have the house marking with the point facing up. Hacholetz Luberes, the Pila, one who did Chalitza with a pregnant um, a widowed sister-in-law, and she miscarries. Tzricha Chalitza Menachin. Chalitza is still necessary. Indicating that the Chalitza done with the pregnant woman was ineffective. That's Reish Lakish's opinion. The halacha follows Reish Lakish uh, regarding three halachas. As is well known to many who learn Gemoras, they know that uh, in Machlokis between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, and this is an example of that, uh, we follow, generally speaking, Rabbi Yochanan. There are three ex- ex- exceptions in cases where Reish Lakish argues with Rabbi Yochanan, that we will follow Reish Lakish. And uh, Rava tells us there are three of those, and Chadaha Damon, one of them is this case. The case of Chalitzis Muberes as being puzzled. The Gemara will go on to reveal uh, two and three, and that's what you can see as far as the numbering is concerned. But we are in a Dafyomi mode, and we've spilled over quite a bit, similar to our uh, to our last year, where we spilled all the way to Lamed Hay Amid Beis, and this was the Daf Lamed Hay Shir, and here we are at the bottom of Lamed Vav Amid Aleph. So, before we conclude, let us remind you that if you wish to be in touch with us, 
In order to access marked Gemaras, we can be reached at gmarkings at gmail.com. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.